Okay, good morning. Um, James read from Joshua, 23, verse 14. And that's our theme verse, if you didn't recognize it. It's our theme verse this year. And the last couple of lessons, the last few lessons, uh, we tried to, speakers tried to uh, and accomplished, talking about promises and embellishing uh, the theme of promises. So I kind of want to continue with that today. Um, I want to talk about promises a little bit, and I want to talk about seven promises that uh, God made to us. Um, what I usually do is have the verses, my reference verses, printed out, but I didn't do that this time. So if you just bear with me, I have to flip through my iPad to read some of the verses. But uh, that being said, uh, let's get into it. Um, we talk about promises. <coughs> promises involve a couple of things. Promises involve decisions, and promises involve trust. A decision on the part of the person or entity making the promise. Okay, I've come to a decision to to do this, and then there's a certain amount of trust. Uh, on the part of the receiver of the promise, um, you know, an anticipation after the promise is made. <clears throat> and we're all familiar with promises, okay? Uh, promises are made and promises are broken. You can look out in uh, popular culture, uh, politics particularly, where Certain things are said, promises are made, and then uh, they're not kept. Okay? Um, but let's examine ourselves. We've all made promises. Okay? Have we all kept every promise that we've ever made? Think about that. It's routine to see uh, promises made and promises broken. <clears throat> the reason that people tend to break promises uh, are numerous and it's quite diverse. Um, one way that people break promises is through forgetfulness. Now you promise somebody something and it's, well, it doesn't, doesn't happen well, I forgot. I forgot. Okay. Sometimes it's through negligence. Um, procrastination. You make a promise and you're negligent about it. Or you procrastinate, which is the same thing, really. You tend to procrastinate. Oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to work on that tomorrow. I'm going to come through on this tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and then you kick the can down the road and do it the you know I'm going to do it the next day, and it never really comes to fruition. Sometimes we break promises because circumstances are beyond our control. Okay, um, 
we, we really mean to keep our promise, but something pops up, comes up, and we can't do it because of circumstances. Okay? Um, sometimes we change our mind. We make a promise, and then, well, you know, we think better of it, or for whatever reason, we change our mind and renege on our promise. And sometimes we make unrealistic promises. You know, we kind of maybe get full of ourselves and, well, I'm going to do this for you, or I'm going to do this, and knowing full well, really, that we don't have the capability of keeping that promise. So there's different ways of, as human beings that we make promises and break promises. I'm quite certain we've all had promises made to us that weren't kept, and probably we've made promises at times to other people that we didn't keep for various reasons. God assured uh, promises to Abraham, to the Israelite people, and he assured promises to us. So what I want to look at is what some of these promises are and investigate whether they're certain. Can we be sure of God's promises? And Paul talks about promises of God that God made to Abraham in Romans chapter 4. Verses 13 and 16. This reads, For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not made through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. And in verse 16, This is why the promise is by faith, though it may be according to grace to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law. Well, what's being said here is that Abraham and his children would possess the earth. We study that, we know that. But the promise was not given to Abraham because of something that Abraham would do or something that Abraham did, per se. It was based on God's decision. Remember we talked about a promise entails maybe a decision. It's based on God's decision to coalesce things together for Abraham. And Abraham's decision to enter into belief. So the fulfillment of God's promises depends entirely on trusting God in this way. I mean, we have to trust God in order to reap the benefits of his promises. It's entirely on trusting God. And this way, we can look at it as like a gift. It's a gift to us. And it's the only way, really, uh, that we can be sure that we're going to receive God's promise. That's through trust in him. In Genesis 22, verse 18, And in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because you Obey my voice. He's saying to Abraham, your offspring, all nations of the earth, will be blessed. Why? Because you obeyed my voice. 
trusting and obeying. And you see the fruition of God's promises. Promises, uh, the value, let's talk about the, the value of a promise. It's based on the ability and willingness to see it through. Okay? We have the ability to keep the promise and the willingness to see the promise through. And God possesses both of them. In Galatians 3.16. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say to seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed, who is Christ. Okay. And if we read in Acts uh, 13, uh, verses 32 and 33, Galatians 3.16, it was through Christ that God intended the promise uh, of Abraham to be fulfilled. Okay? And by raising Jesus, God fulfilled it. We read about that in Acts 32 and 33. Now, if we look at Jesus' life, the shape of his life, when he walked the earth, it was always expressed by his trust in God. I mean, we can see this. Um, trust in God and God's power. For instance, in John 6, 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, it says, Jesus expressed, I am the light of the world. And in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus has completed assurance uh, of God's power. Okay, full realization uh, of what God promised him. Or, or he wouldn't be able to say these things with confidence. Okay? Full realization that God was going to raise him from the grave. So let's look at uh, some promises that, that God made to us. In Philippians 4.19. Let's look at Philippians 4.19. God promised to supply our every need in Philippians 4.19 and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ now he promised to, to supply the extent of our needs and what are some of those needs food Clothing, shelter, companionship, love, and salvation through Jesus Christ. Those are some of the needs that he promised he would supply us with. And he, he will. And he does. Um, companionship and love can be fulfilled to us in a number of different ways. It can be with a loving spouse, it can be with a family member, uh, uh, 
a kindred family member and can be with a spiritual family member. And of course, food, clothing, and shelter. In Chuck's class this morning, in Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> it talked about people selling their property to make sure that the needy had what they needed. And this was because it was something in their heart. They were persuaded in their heart to do this. And this is what, what, what God does, okay? How he uses us to help each other. So, he promises supplier every need. What about luxuries? Sometimes we get caught up in thinking, looking at the luxuries of life of being needs. Luxuries are nice, but they're not needs. Okay. Um, kind of dating myself, but there was, I think of a song that um, was written by uh, the late Bobby Womack, and it was the cover was done by uh, Janis Joplin. It was called Mercedes Benz. And uh, the song goes something like, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all have Porsches, I must make amends. I've worked hard all my lifetime, no help from my friends. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? That's a luxury. <laughs> and if you don't get a Mercedes Benz, that doesn't mean that God's not making or meeting your needs. Okay. What else did he promise us? He also promised that his grace is sufficient. We read about that in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Second Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ may, Christ's power may reside in me. So I see this. This is a provision for salvation. Grace through faith. Okay. And we read about that in Ephesians uh, 2, verse 8. Grace by way of faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. Okay. So we, through faith we have access to God's grace, and it's a gift. That's what he promises, that his grace is sufficient. What else did he promise us now? He promised that he would not, we would not be overtaken by temptation. Okay. And we can read about this in 1 Corinthians 10.13. First Corinthians 10.13. No. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape 
so that you will be able to bear. So there's temptations out there. Okay, we're going to face temptations. But it's not going to be a temptation. You will not allow these promises temptations so great that we aren't able to bear it. Okay? And if we do run into a temptation that, that, that seems to be like that, he promises a way of escape. In Jude 24. Now in him who was able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. So he's able to protect us from stumbling. He's there for us. To promise that we will not be overtaken by temptation. He also promised victory over death. First, he resurrected Jesus Christ. That was in Acts 2.32. And then we turn to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Excuse me. Yeah, First Corinthians 13, verses 3 and 4. For I passed on to you, as most important, what I also received. For Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to Scripture. And so he promised us victory over death in first he resurrected Jesus. And then moving down to verse 57 in 1 Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. So first he resurrected Jesus, victory over death, and then through Jesus Christ. um, We have our victory over death. So he promised us that. He also promised that all things work together for good to those who love and serve him faithfully. That's in Romans 8, 28. And sometimes circumstances makes it difficult for us to kind of understand what's going on there. And uh, I think of my brother, one of my brothers, and uh, one of his good friends, uh, one of his parents, died uh, kind of tragically. And this is one of the verses that was read at the service. And, uh, he was thinking he couldn't understand that, that what that meant. I mean, what, what good came from this person passing away and leaving their family. But God promises this, and he keeps his promises. And so some things we can't really fully understand all the time. Sometimes a tragedy like that is for the better. If you have someone you love who is suffering, and you want that person with you, 
because you love that person. But if they're suffering, sometimes, you know, it might be better that it just be put to the rest, you know. So there's certain, there's different circumstances, and sometimes it's hard for us to understand that. And that might be, this might be grist for a whole, an entire sermon. But he did promise that uh, in Romans 8, 28. He also promised that those who believe in Jesus and are baptized for forgiveness of sins will be saved. Okay. It's in Mark 16, 16 and Acts 2.38. That's a promise that we should understand, that we do understand. Okay. And that's the start of our journey, belief in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then baptism and we're on our way on that journey that he would have us and he promised his people eternal life this is in John 10 and this is the ultimate John 10 verses 27 and 28 my sheep hear my voice I know them, and they follow me. I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So, let's just quickly go over these promises again. He promised to supply us every need. His promises that his grace is sufficient. He promised that we would not be overtaken by temptation, but we would have an avenue of escape if things got too hard for us. He promised us victory over death. He promised us that all things work together for good for to those who love and serve him faithfully. I think faithful is a key word there. He promised that those who believe in Jesus and are baptized for forgiveness of sins will be saved. And he promised his people eternal life. So I think it's imperative that we live our lives in a way the promises of God will be ours. Thank you.